Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. Today's episode, I get to chat with the incredibly knowledgeable Halia about her empowering home birth. At 21, Halia was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and polycystic ovarian syndrome. After coming off the pill, she had no menstrual cycle for three years, eventually being told it would be difficult for her to conceive when the time comes and that her condition was considered normal. Heavily depressed and disconnected, she began to seek answers through her own studies. This ignited a passion within her for herbal medicine and daily self-care practices. Through her learnings, she consciously conceived her daughter and experienced a blissful birth, a beautiful story about personal healing and a deep connection to the radiant flowing feminine essence within. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for coming on today, Halia, and sharing your time with me. Thank you. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you live and who's in your family? Yeah, so um, I have been living in Margaret River, Western Australia, and that's where my daughter was birthed three and a half years ago. Um, And we've just literally this week um, travelled back across to the other side of the country, back into New South Wales. I'm currently in Whitebridge, which is in Newcastle. And this is where I've grown up. So we've just come back here for a little bit of time indefinitely to hang out with family and, yeah, connect back with our roots and see where we're meant to go from here on. We're kind of a bit of a gypsy family. We move around a fair bit. (laughs) What do you guys do for work? Um, I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner. My business is called Shakti Holistic Healing um, and I help to empower women to connect with their menstrual cycle and for conscious conception and fertility as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I've got an e-course and do a lot of things online. So yeah, yeah. nice. I'll share all of that in the show notes for anyone that is interested. That's Thank so you. cool. So did you consciously conceive your daughter? I did, yes. We had a year-long process of a conscious conception program, uh, which is very Ayurvedic-based, and Ayurveda is Indian medicine, for those who don't know. It's um, over 5,000 years old, very similar to Chinese medicine, um, and it's very much linked up with yoga. So I studied that probably about 10 years ago. 
Um, so yeah, we did six months of detoxing and six months of nourishing before we conceived. Yeah. It's a very big process, but it felt really right to bring that consciousness into conceiving and because, mm-hmm. you know, our children are our next generation. Yeah. So the steps that we put into place to make sure our bodies, um, our minds, you know, we need to be ready physically, mentally and emotionally, both. Mm. both because both you partners. can pass that down, right? Yes, genetically, emotionally, there's there's so many things that get mm. passed down. Um, yeah, at whatever state your organs are in at the time of conception is what is passed down onto your um, child. Interesting. So, <laughs> yes. Crazy. So now we can see genetically how things get passed down yeah. and also emotionally whatever's going on is passed down. So yeah. makes so much sense, doesn't it? It does. It's yeah. such a shame there's not more of a highlight yes. around that type of conception. Yes, exactly. And particularly, you know, if there's fertility issues mm. and you're kind of bypassing healing those issues by going through things like IVF, um, that, that, you know, issue that's underlying can then be passed on to that um, child as well. Wow. So, yes, it's it's a big and complex thing, yeah. but um, seeing yeah. more and more couples wanting to do conscious conception programs and, mm. you know, putting in the work before they can see, which is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. amazing. So do you try yes. at all during that period? Um, no, no, that whole year was just getting ourselves ready for for conceiving. So it was like we do six months, we did six months of detoxification and then six months of nourishing Um, because the the theory is that it takes the egg three months to mature before conception Mm -hmm. and the sperm takes four months to mature before conception. So it's really important to detox for at least a month um, before that four-month phase. So Mm -hmm. most of the clients I see we do a five- or six-month program um, where they do at least a month of detoxification and then four months of nourishing mm-hmm. before conception actually takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes it's a one-hit wonder and sometimes it takes a little bit longer after that after that phase to actually get pregnant. Mm-hmm. But um, my journey with conception, um, we went to Bali to conceive and had a beautiful ceremony wow. and um, did the thing <laughs> and I was so sure I was pregnant and then I did a pregnancy test and it came back negative and my period came that day while I was in um, Bali so it must have been two weeks after I thought we had conceived yeah. and that kind of put me in a space of realizing that I had been trying to control troll it a little bit like I was even looking at you know the astrology and the stars and the moon and you yeah. know we did it right at that moment when everything kind of aligned astrologically wow and, uh, <laughs> it was a little bit too much in my head yeah. trying to control the conception process and make it as you know Perfect. sacred and spiritual as possible <laughs> um so it was great to go through that experience of um you know all the self-doubt that comes with with that and realizing that I was trying to control the process too much yeah and so we just took the pressure off and we when we come back into Australia we moved into uh, our new home which was really beautiful um beautiful cottage on an avocado farm which felt like really fertile land and we ended up conceiving as soon as we moved into that house so it was kind of like my second try Mm -hmm. but it was a really good process to go through that um, releasing control and surrendering and bringing more fun and playfulness into the process rather than being so um, structured almost structured and dictating the the exact time that we had to have sex (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard though because when you've decided you've made that 
conscious decision that we're going to have a baby, you just get so excited. Yeah. It's hard to sort of release that, yeah. isn't it? It's hard when the more you know, the more you know, and yeah. then the more you kind of dictate, yeah, try and control things mm. too much in our head. And that's kind of a lesson that you can bring through anything in life, but particularly, you Absolutely. know, conception, pregnancy, birth is just need to trust and surrender yeah um that's the biggest lesson through all of it it takes a lot of work to do that it takes it does. a lot of work to do huge that huge amount yeah um so how was your pregnancy <laughs> yes beautiful had a beautiful oh. pregnancy um the first trimester I kind of overdid it a little bit like wanted to finish some things up I mm-hmm. um, ran a retreat and finished my shamanic midwifery training with Jane Hardwick Collings wow. um, and did my vision quest um, and the vision quest is at the end of the course um, we all go up into the mountain for 10 days and we do a three-day solo so we go out into the wilderness wilderness by ourselves for three days and three nights and you're meant to fast during this period but um obviously I was pregnant so I was having chia seed puddings and and um just simple things to eat but the night before that, um, I actually had a big bleed. I had to. I had told my life story to the whole group of women, yeah. and just after I'd told my life life story, um, and told everyone that I was pregnant, I was only about six or maybe seven weeks pregnant at this time. I had. I felt something down there and put my hand down, and there was a lot of blood. <sighs> Um, and this just sent me into shock straight yeah. away. I started shaking, but, you know, I was in a safe place with um, quite a few midwives there, mm-hmm. um, and Jane was there herself, and um, she's been a home birth midwife for about 30 years. Wow. Um, and straight away I kind of, with the awareness that I have through doing yoga and meditation, I noticed myself going into this shock state and mm-hmm. shaking, um, and, and I knew that wasn't good for whatever process I needed to go through. So I laid down on the earth with my legs up a tree and started to deep breathe and do alternate nostril breathing, which is a yogic practice to calm the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to get into this space of, okay, I need to trust this process, whatever mm-hmm. happens, whatever way this goes, I just need to be as calm as possible and trust and be aware in my body of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And... So the next day I went on to the three days and three nights on my own in the in the bush, not knowing if I was pregnant or not. Wow. Um, constantly looking for signs and mm. feeling. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was really interesting. Again, I was able to stay in a really present state without being too emotional and, and too um, attached to yeah. anything. Uh, I was quite proud of myself for being in that state. Wow. And I think you know, I think it really helped me to support the pregnancy to ma- um, to remain by being in that calm state. Yes. Um, and at the end of the three days and three nights, um, I was having a shower, my first shower for a few days, and I just caught a glimpse of my body in the side of the mirror. Mm-hmm. And from that that little glimpse of my body, I'd seen that it changed. My boobs were bigger and my tummy was a bit rounder. And I was like, okay, I'm still pregnant. Wow. wow. Um, Just from, yeah, just from the little glimpse of my body. So yeah, that was a really um, intense, but beautiful experience because Mm -hmm. that lesson of trust and surrender, (laughs) which is the theme for my pregnancy and birth. um, And parenthood. (laughs) And parenthood. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
Um, so I think, you know, that experience then led me to have the beautiful birth that I had. Yeah. And I'm guessing you, it was no question going to be a home birth because that kind of aligns with everything. Yes, totally. Um, I had my, um, sister-in-law had given birth a couple of years prior to me and she actually had a beautiful free birth. And so I kind of had her to look up to. She was booked into a, um, yeah, so she kind of set the stage for me being able to really trust my body and trust the process because she was booked into the um, birthing centre here in Newcastle. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, it'd be great to get her on to tell her birth story. But anyway, the baby was posterior and they wanted to book her in for a cesarean. So when she went into labour, at home um they just didn't call the midwives and ended up having a beautiful five-hour pain-free home you birth water joking. birth oh. free birth yeah with no midwives there which chills um, that gives me chills that's amazing yes. and I think you know if you do the work and you're in tune, tune enough with your body mm. um you know you just know when something's wrong and when something's right yeah absolutely and, um, we've got intuition know. for a reason we don't do we? Exactly. And yeah, both her and her partner were very in tune and doing a lot of self work and they just felt it was right. And it just, it happened um, beautifully. So I had that to look up to. So I knew I wanted to be, I I hired a private midwife. Mm -hmm. um, So I could be just another step away from the system, the policies and the procedures. And, you know, there's all these things to keep women safe, but it gets a little bit overbearing and yeah. a lot of stress gets put on women particularly if they get to you know 42 weeks and all that I've got another few friends that have free birth and gone to 43 43 and a half weeks wow. um, recently so yeah. you know the baby comes when it's when ready it's ready yep absolutely yeah but that was definitely one of my fears was getting to 42 weeks but mm-hmm. lucky enough I only got to what was that? I was 39 and a half weeks. Oh, so I didn't even get to hit nice. the 40 week mark, huh? which was nice. <laughs> that is so <laughs> lucky really because in some cases it honestly doesn't matter how much prep you do. You can still go that little bit crazy after yes. 40 weeks. So I've seen that. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So do you want to take us to that first sign of labor? Yeah. So it was actually the, the day before I went into labor, the midwife came over and she checked me and, and my baby's head still wasn't engaged. It was still sitting quite high. Yeah. Um, and there's a few theories, I guess, um, Jane kind of teaches this as well. Like if a baby's sitting high or if it's breech, um, energetically it could be that the baby, there's some kind of fear holding the baby up mm-hmm. um, and and, um, you know, the baby's wanting to be closer to the mum's heart. That's kind of the theory. Oh, wow. And I think my midwife kind of understood that because she's seen that my baby still wasn't engaged and mm. said, you know, usually this happens around 36 weeks. And um, all of a sudden she started talking about inductions and cesareans and hospitals and all the things oh. I was so afraid of. Yeah. And she kind of, after she left, my partner and I were just so like shocked and we're like oh my god I don't even think I'm going to ring her for the birth I can't believe she started talking about all those things in our sacred house and yeah <laughs> we're really offer like we really like and then I kind of realized hang on there's something going on here I yeah. am so petrified of ending up in hospital it is the last place I want to give birth mm. why am I so afraid of it so I kind of spent that day crying and journaling and processing and I realized that I hadn't actually been to hospital myself since my own birth 
Like I'd been to visit people when they're sick or dying, but mm. I hadn't actually been to hospital and I didn't have that trust of being mm. in hospital because I haven't been there since birth. And my yeah. birth was quite traumatic. I wasn't breathing and had to be resuscitated <sighs> and had the cord around my neck and it was really stressful for my mum and, of, of course, for myself being mm. born. So I came to the conclusion that I was holding on to that trauma and that's why I was so afraid of giving birth in the hospital. So, again, got to that plate, remembered you know, my, my vision quest and my first trimester lesson of trusting the process yeah. and not controlling it yeah. <laughs> and not wanting to get in, go to hospital if I needed to was definitely trying to control it. Um, I kind of just opened myself up to having whatever experience I need to have is mm-hmm. the experience that I will have. So I packed a hospital bag, um, and did as much journaling as I could and also got on Google and realised that it is quite common for babies' heads to engage during labour mm-hmm. um, and that they'd still had beautiful births. And so, yeah, went to bed pretty late that night actually but felt, you know, content by the end of the day. I'd processed as much as I could and got yeah. to this place of like, okay, I surrender, I'm mm-hmm. trusting to this process, I'm open to be a channel for my baby to come into the world however it needs to come into mm-hmm. the world. And Amazing. woke up the next morning as soon as I stood up, felt a little bit niggly and I was like, oh, something's changed and um, ended up going for a really big walk down Budget Up Hill, which is just <laughs> around the corner from my house. And as I was walking, I was really meditating, breathing into my heart space and exhaling down through my womb space down into the centre of the earth. So really getting that flow of energy going down Mm-hmm. through my body mm-hmm. and each step was quite heavy imagining my baby's head going down into my pelvis and by the time I got to the end of that hill I was getting um, quite stronger contractions and sensations mm. and um, I think I just I, I just walked all day I couldn't stop moving to be honest I kind of just also didn't want labor to stop start and stop that's kind yeah. of a common thing that you see with women is it starts you get all yeah. excited and then something will happen and it's, it'll stop so I just wanted to keep the energy moving so I'm pretty sure I just walked and did laps around the property in the house (laughs) all day and once the contractions got stronger and stronger I kind of had to walk to move the energy out and down I would have loved to have had a one of those like pedometer things on to see how many steps I did that day (laughs) I was walking all day wow that's awesome um and yeah kind of had text my uh, midwife and let her know things were starting and I remember trying to eat a bit of dinner knowing that was my last meal for a while but Mm -hmm. kind of struggled to get it down um but yeah active labor was counted at starting around 8 p.m that night mm-hmm. and um did a little ceremony before we started and little the candles we actually did a cacao ceremony oh cool um, yeah ceremonial cacao just feels like such a beautiful thing to have when your labor's starting because it gives you energy it opens up your heart space um you know if you do it quite ceremonial light some candles it just feels like a nice way to connect and ground as labor's starting so I, i do recommend this for women um i believe it um increases oxytocin as well mm-hmm. um and yeah just a nice natural bit of energy yeah, um, awesome. for the rest of the labor um and then we had the pool half blown up and i got my partner to get it out and finish blowing it up 
and this was something I was really a bit pedantic about trying to control as well I guess like even as soon as I got to 36 weeks I was like all right let's get the pool set up let's make sure we've got all the attachments and how are we going to get all the hot water and we had like backup pots to put on the stove in case we ran out of hot water (laughs) (laughs) and um, anyway once we'd got it blown up this was probably around 9, 9.30 by this time. I uh, had a contraction on the lounge next to the pool. I hadn't got in it yet. I hadn't mm. started filling it up yet either and I could hear this. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like through a contraction I was very much in my head yeah. but, you know, couldn't physically express myself at that time and I remember going, oh, my fucking God, you're kidding. <laughs> I've actually heard a lot of them end up doing that. Yeah, so. I don't know if it's just over-pumping it up yeah. or what happens or if we'd lent on it or something. Yeah. My partner and I really wanted to for it just to be us throughout the whole labour and have the midwife there just at the very last minute because at this time we're still a bit off her from the day before. Yeah, so I kind right. of realised her intention at that time of, you know, the deeper intention of why she brought all those things up. But um, Yeah, so what was her motive in the end? Yeah, so well, later on she, yeah, she expressed to me that she realised that it was fear that was holding my baby up high and she'd mentioned all those oh. things so that I would bring it up and, and process it before my labour started. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. So she was onto it. She was onto it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you heard the hissing of the pool. Yeah. So straight away I said, Josh, you've got to try and fix it. So I think he spent the next couple of hours trying to patch it up, trying to fix it. Um, and yeah, and I was kind of felt like I was kind of laboring on my own while he was doing that, which was an interesting process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was getting more and more tense, intense kind of coming up to the transition phase. Yeah. And I just said, okay, we're just going to have to ring the midwife and tell her to come earlier with another pool. Mm-hmm. And so he rang the midwife and she was, you know, about an hour drive away from our place. Um, but I guess we kind of didn't let on to know how far we along we were or we didn't realise how far along we were because mm-hmm. next then I started the energy started to really build up in my hips. I guess I'd been moving it through my body and it wasn't that intense. Mm-hmm. And I felt it starting to really build up in my hips and my back. And then I went and had a shower. That warmth on my back was so relieving. Yeah. And then after I got out of the shower, um, I felt – my um, contractions changed. I started to, that real bearing down, that real started and Josh walked into the bathroom and I was like pushing down on the basin. He's like, whoa, hang on, don't break that off the wall. (laughs) And he kind of could see something had changed. And then next thing I was on the toilet clearing out both ends, which I predicted I would. I had a bucket on handy because I am quite a, I I vomit quite easily. It's kind of a energetic release for me. And Mm. it felt good to be doing that at the time, Mm. you know, the energy really built up in my hips and Mm. then that release from both ends was kind of relieving in a way. Yeah. Um, and then next thing I found myself sitting on the toilet pushing, um, and put my hand down and felt the bulging and, um, could you feel I, her coming down through the yes, now? Yes, oh, I could. So yeah, amazing. so it was kind of like the clearing out and the, yeah. you know, the pushing had started through. So I'd gone through transition, but I didn't really realise nice. that's what it was. But now after reflecting on it, I, I can see clearly what had happened. Yeah. You know, the energy built up in my hips and then the, the, the contractions changed where I was more bearing down and then mm-hmm. the pushing started mm-hmm. without me really noticing. Incredible. Um, and... 
yeah and I yelled out to Josh the baby's coming fill fill the bath up (laughs) and then so he was like oh what do I do and it was just in that moment everything had been really relaxed but as soon as I said the baby's coming he started like oh my god where's the midwife yeah (laughs) and he ran 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 out to ring her and just as he went to ring her she arrived so it was perfect timing because we did have that intention that we didn't want we wanted to just be on our own and we didn't want her there till the end Mm -hmm. um and then she walked in and checked me or just kind of had a look and as soon as she saw you know how the state that I was in sitting on the toilet Mm -hmm. she's like okay no time for the pool no time for the bath and I was like no please fill up the bath fill up the bath I really want a water birth Mm. and I kind of had I had a fear around tearing. So that was kind of my intention around water birth as well. I read how it reduces the chance of infection and Mm -hmm. all these things by having a water birth. So I I was pretty strong and adamant that I wanted a water bath. And Loralee, who's my midwife's name, said, no, sorry, not enough time. You need to just get on the floor. The baby's coming. So um, Josh had a mattress, like a thin mattress and some towels and maybe some plastic. I can't remember exactly ready and pulled that out just on the lounge room floor and I, I think, yeah, the worst part of the labour was having to get up off the toilet and walk, uh, not very good with metres, but maybe five metres yeah. to the lounge room. <laughs> the wow. waddle as the baby's head was coming out. And um, then I got down in like a all fours kind of squat position Yeah. and maybe pushed for for 20 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like your body just did it naturally, obviously. Yeah, there was a um, there was a little phase where the midwife was directing me to push a little bit more than I intuitively felt. Yeah, and okay. I know I've always told women to trust your body and listen not listen to, to the midwife yeah. <laughs> if yeah. she's telling you to push a little bit more because I've seen a lot of women tear mm-hmm. from listening to others and not themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was kind of like this urgency um, in that moment. And Laura Lee had seen something. I don't know exact, can't exactly remember what she saw, but later on she told us that she'd saw something like the cord kind of coming down a little bit where, that she was a bit worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd felt that, that there was an urgency to get the baby out. So I was pushing at the end just a little bit more than I intuitive would have liked to. Cause I know you can actually just breathe your baby out without mm-hmm. having to push so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, and then, yeah, and then she came out and everything was fine. Um, and I did end up tearing just a little bit, just a tiny little nick and a little graze. And I think yeah. it was from that little bit of extra pushing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just so beautiful to have a home birth midwife that can just give you what you need and stitch you up there then in the comfort of your own home. Wow. Um, I think I just got, like, one stitch just to, yeah, make sure it healed all right. I probably didn't even yeah, need that. Yeah, amazing. And did you grab her or did someone hand her to you? Um, yeah, my partner was, yeah, so when I was pushing, he was up up in front of me, like mm-hmm. supporting me, and then I was like, no, no, go to the back. I want you to catch the baby. So wow. he walked, he then came around and, and caught her, which we thought we were having a he. I had about three or four boy dreams when I was pregnant. Really? And I've always told women, you're so intuitive when you're pregnant and, um, you know, if you have a dream of what sex you're having, then that's definitely what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that the hard way and she looked exactly like my dream exactly like my dreams but she was a she and not a he that's so funny well Um, maybe there's a little boy hanging around somewhere yeah I think so yeah and um yeah just so beautiful and wow such a 
empowering process. Um, mm. You know, I even had part of my labor that I would class as orgasmic. It was maybe only one or two contractions. Mm. It was when transition was just starting. So the energy was really building up in my hips and mm-hmm. my partner was sort of um, massaging the top of my hips and kind of banging them a bit and it really dissipated the pain and mm-hmm. this sensation went through my whole body and I was like, oh, wow, this is a taste of what orgasmic birth could be. Wow. Um, but then, you know, fast forward to the pushing phase, mm-hmm. um, you know, when the baby's head's coming out and that ring of fire, that's probably the only, that was the only painful part of my labor. Okay. Um, that was that burny, stretchy yeah. feeling when the head's yeah. coming out. I didn't expect that. I'd heard about the ring of fire and I'd done like perineum massage and really focused on softening everything below but mm-hmm. you know the top part um near my clitoris was really being stretched and I didn't express expect that I remember like sort of holding uh, my clitoris going oh no not up there but you were fine you came out pretty yeah handsome. totally fine yeah. and, and that, that's you know for for women that haven't given birth before it's such a powerful process Mm. and you know everything does just normally go back to normal um the body is really amazing at you know stretching and opening and Mm. doing whatever it needs to do and then just coming back and healing and um yeah I was really impressed yeah and were you all high on oxytocin once she was here yes yeah it was really beautiful yeah yeah. yeah, I was still a little bit in my head. I'm a Virgo, and I remember after she was born, I was like, oh, you're a girl, amazing. And um, then I kind of looked down. I was like, oh, no, I've got my socks on, and there's blood on my socks. <laughs> oh, my gosh, isn't that funny? <laughs> I couldn't believe how, so yeah, I was just funny. so still so analytical in my mind. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of women, you know, if there's a bit more Pisces energy, they just, you know, tap out and connect with the universe to bring yeah. their baby back through. But I was still very much during contractions, even if I couldn't, verbalize it as still very much like yeah analyzing things yeah. and yeah um, interesting yeah Love very it. interesting so yeah I had took taken all my clothes off all my jewelry off because it was annoying me you <laughs> know I wanted to socks. have beautiful pretty earrings on but then somehow left on my good left my good socks on. that's so funny <laughs> and your afterbirth how did that go yes um yeah I can't really remember this part so much which is interesting like I know Maybe I just stood up. Yeah, that part I can't remember so much, which mm. is really interesting. It obviously wasn't a big you thing. Were, I think yeah. I maybe I, I think I have a feeling I stood up, and then Laurelie must have had the bowl underneath me, and then mm-hmm. it kind of come out, and then I went and laid down on the lounge after that. Um, and my daughter had quite a short umbilical cord, like yeah. not super short, but it still wasn't as long and had that much movement mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, we laid on the lounge for a while and I think that's when Laurelie checked me and to, um, gave me the stitches. Mm. What was the energy like in your body at that stage? I remember kind of getting a bit like cold and shaky, you know, that kind of aftershock oh, feeling yep. a yep. little bit. I've heard of um, that. Yeah, a little bit cold and shaky and just rugged up and we had the fire on. This was in May. Because um, what was the time? Like how long was your labour? Well... You know, contractions kind of when I started walking, yeah. I, I gave birth at 1.42 a.m. and I kind of had started walking a lot around 12 lunch the day before. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you could say, you know, 12, 13 hours of kind of labour, but active labour was classed as um, from 8 
So what's that, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? Yeah, five and a half, six hours, six hours. Yeah, so yeah. pretty normal. Yeah, which is kind of the, kind of the standard. Everything kind of seemed really, yeah, yeah. like her all her measurements, she was dead on average, yeah. dead on, yeah, the 50th percentile mm-hmm. or whatever it is mm-hmm. um, for everything. Um, How big was she when she came out? Ah, uh, great question. Three <laughs> point something, seven point seven pounds. Oh yeah, so nice. There's a lot of little baby. Yeah, there's lots of um, sevens in all her numbers as well. So she oh, was born at cool. one forty two, and then she was seven point seven pounds. And I think fifty two centimeters. Wow. Actually, that's how I can remind everything links up to seven, which yeah. is my favorite number. Love it. <laughs> and then she was born on the seventeenth of May two thousand and seventeen. Oh my gosh, there is yeah. a lot. Lots of sevens in so there. So cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, after she was born, she wasn't that fussed on the boob. I kind of just imagined the, you know, the boob crawl thing mm-hmm. and feeding straight away. But she just kind of was, yeah, just kind of, mm, mm, yeah, not that interested. Mm-hmm. And so my midwife stayed overnight which with us, which is great. I had a spare room set up in case she wanted to stay. Oh, awesome. And, um, yeah, and then she kind of, Namaya didn't start feeding till the morning. So that was good. Got to bed. I did belly binding as well straight away. I had some herbs and some tea to help my raspberry drink. Lots of raspberry leaf tea, and um, nice. my midwife had made up like a, a blend to help with the bleeding and um, something else. I'm not sure exactly. I'm into herbal medicines, and I still yeah. don't know exactly what the tea was she gave me. But um, made a placenta smoothie as well straight oh, after did birth. A smoothie. <laughs> What was that like? Which, well, yeah, it was nice at the time. I'd made a really nice, um, like, maca cacao and oh, cool. I forget what else, like coconut sugar and coconut cream and, yeah, lots of nice ingredients in there because I'd, I'd studied placenta encapsulation while I was pregnant uh-huh. um, and I just didn't know what way to go with the placenta and I'd also read about the Aboriginal tradition is to bury the placenta yeah. because that gives them more of a connection with the land and their life path. So that felt really important to do as well, but I ended up doing all of it. So I, awesome. I got a little bit that I turned dehydrated and turned into capsules and mm-hmm. I got a little bit that I had in a smoothie just to kind of try it. Um, but I, I found with the capsules it gave me a lot of energy and a lot of milk and I mm-hmm. didn't end up finishing them. It felt like a bit bit too much yang masculine energy for me. Okay. Um, so and – yeah, so I think next time around I'd probably just bury the placenta and wouldn't worry about the capsules. Mm-hmm. I think they're great for people if they, you know, have any issues with postnatal depression or iron. Mm. If you just need that little bit of extra nourishment, mm. I think it's great to have. Mm. Um, but it's also a filtration organ. So if there's any issues with the liver, um, then the placenta's job is to filter out any toxins. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I'm not, just not sure 100% how I feel for it for everyone. I always encourage yeah. women to really tap in with their intuition. If yeah. they feel a really strong yes, like yeah. they will need it, then definitely get it done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got a nice bit of rest that night kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting sensation, isn't it? I can't imagine having two babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you've got this new baby and you're like – yeah, can't really get in too much of a deep sleep. But so the true. midwife was there the next morning and the Maya started feeding and she checked everything, which was nice. And mm. the other good thing about having a um, yeah private midwife is she came every day, I think, for a few days and then once a week for the next six weeks. Oh, cool. So because we didn't have family around, it was really nice to have that extra bit of support. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
and then I did a 40-day postnatal retreat. So I didn't leave the house for 40 days for six weeks. Oh, how amazing. Um, and I had limited visitors, just lots of oil massages, lots of warm, um, easy-to-digest foods, um, gent- some gentle yoga stretches and, yeah, just laid in the sun in our sunroom. And, yeah, it was just really beautiful and really sacred. It felt like a really important step to really connect with my baby and yeah. also to have that time and space to connect with myself in this new mother role yeah. um, without having too many external influences. Love that. Um, and it's also such a sacred, special time for the baby to um to really you know, land into land into the here and now, you know, they've been in the womb for that amount of time and yeah, absolutely you know, being out in the elements, you know, it can really throw babies off being out in the mm. wind or out in the too much sun. And I think to create that little cocoon for them to slowly emerge um, and also to, you know, build up their immune system and everything yeah. ready for exploring the external so world. Yeah. And also it was May, so it was a perfect time to do that. I don't know, I'd, I'd struggle a fair bit, I think, if it was a summer, summer baby. Yeah. So I love being down the beach and I love being out in nature. Mm-hmm. It would be very difficult to be stuck in the house when it's yeah. so hot and nice outside. But, it, it, yeah, it was really nice to do that. And will you guys go back for baby number two? Not sure. Not sure? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting time my husband hasn't been well for a few years actually it was around the same time Namaya was born he got bitten by a tick and got (gasps) Lyme disease oh you're joking yeah yeah so we've kind of just been surrendering into the idea of just having one and being okay with that you know there is so many crazy things going on in the world and you know not sure it's nice for her to have someone to play with and grow up with but if we can create those connections with friends and cousins and it's maybe not a necessity yeah but yeah I kind of do feel another soul around but I just don't it doesn't feel like the right time and Mm -hmm. even if it is later on I don't mind having a bigger gap either so just kind of open to whatever happens happens Mm -hmm. and not really attached to anything and it's nice to not have that really strong desire because it would be a bit difficult to be bringing a baby into the world at the moment and Mm -hmm. I am just starting to get a get more into work and Mm -hmm. doing you know traveling more and it's kind of yeah getting my freedom back and it's like oh I don't if I want to go back into that baby phase yeah Ayurvedically and Chinese medicine and a lot of cultures say um, it's important to have a three-year gap it takes the uterus and the body three years to rejuvenate after pregnancy and birth okay and I had three years in mind which is three and a half now Mm -hmm. but I kind of can appreciate doing it at this like when they're closer together now, mm-hmm. like while you're already in that nappies and, you know, yeah. sleepless nights to just so get over and done with in yeah. that phase. Because um, I did go through a phase when Namaya was probably about one, I think. I always started to get a strong desire to have another baby and it probably would have been a good time to do it then maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. Not. I don't know. I mean, we've got a two-year gap between our three. Yeah. And... So you've got twins and a two-year gap. Yeah. Wow, well done, Mama. (laughs) Thank you. But we found it was definitely, even though we had 
twins, it's definitely been a lot easier because we were still yes. in that bubble type thing. Yes. Like not a lot in our life really had to change because we were already kind of set yes. up for a baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Two years is good. Yeah. I mean, there's a nine-year age gap between my sister and I, but you wouldn't even know, honestly. It doesn't matter when you're older. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. We're besties yeah. now, so. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah. And I think kind of the space that I'm in now, like once Namaya goes to school or if she goes to school, but yeah. if she does go to school, it'd be nice then to go back into that phase and I've kind of spent that time focusing on her and then I can go back in we'll see I'm just open I'm not really set on anything just kind of open to whatever experience we need to have and trusting that yeah Um, and I know you had an incredible experience but is there anything you would do differently second time around yeah yeah it'd be hard to to match that I guess I I did really the whole nine months I was really in a phase of um I kind of had a pregnancy retreat. I didn't do yeah. too much. I kind of was really inward doing a lot of journaling and reading, read all the pregnancy books, all the birth books, and um, I kind of knew that it would never be the same, so I really indulged with my first pregnancy, yeah. really had a lot of alone time and knew that was the last time that I'd ever be alone. Uh, <laughs> so <long> true. <laughs> so I know it, would, it just wouldn't be the same yeah. um, having a toddler or a child. I think... Yeah, birth-wise, you know, the idea of free birth kind of interests me, mm-hmm. but it's also nice to have, you know, in that moment when your baby's coming out, nice to have, know you've got an experienced midwife yeah. around in case something does happen and not yeah. have to put that pressure on someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, not sure. I would like to have a, yeah, maybe try a summer baby and see how that goes, but it was really nice being pregnant over summer and then having a winter baby. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. So do you have any advice for any expectant mums out there? Oh, gosh. I've <laughs> subtly slipped in a few little bits I know, of I've loved throughout it. the whole session, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think just, yeah, taking your time, just be as inward as possible, mm-hmm. you know, meditate, mm-hmm. do yoga, really connect with your intuition because you are so intuitive and there's so many external mm-hmm. forces that think they know better for us than we do. Um mm-hmm. There's so much control and manipulation in the system at the moment and I think it's really important for us to empower ourselves to be as educated as possible and be connected as much to our intuition and that comes through breathing practices and meditation and yeah particularly if it's your first pregnancy take that time indulge because it's the last Mm. time you'll have to be on your own and to work through any emotional things that come up there's so many emotional triggers particularly in the first trimester as 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 you're coming up to birth and whatever Mm. you process and heal while you're pregnant um, is then helping to heal that in your child. Yeah, wow. Um, to, you know, stop passing down the ancestral wounds that we have. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just, just be as inward as possible. Mm-hmm. And the postnatal phase as well. Um, you know, there's um, when you become a new mother, you're just so raw and open mm-hmm. and the baby's so new and, and um, you know, fragile in a way. Yeah. And, yeah, just to take that time, give yourself permission to rest, to go inward and not have to meet the expectations of society. I know all your friends and family yeah. want to come over and meet the baby and hug the baby and, um, yeah, so nice if you can just get people to help to cook for you, to clean yeah. for you and you just spend as much time in bed resting mm. because life goes on. You'll be yeah. driving all your kids to soccer and ballet lessons in no exactly. time. Exactly. So. <laughs> Enjoy that time. <laughs> take, 
enjoy that time. Mm. It is just the most sacred time. Really and is. just to create that bubble to be as inward and to rest and rejuvenate as much as possible because the ancients say the 40 days after birth mm-hmm. set you up for the next 40 years. Wow, so it's kind of like that. you're a clean slate and if you rest and rejuvenate, you're really giving your system the opportunity to heal mm-hmm. and to nourish itself. But if you're expanding your energy, you're kind of burning the candles at both ends and that's when postnatal depletion and things like that come in because, you know, mm-hmm. you're giving your child so many nutrients and you're not sleeping as much as you need to, should be sleeping, I guess. Yeah. At night we've got the hormones to deal with it but we just need to rest and, and to not, yeah, have to meet expectations of society. Mm. So, oh, I love yeah. that. Amazing. You're incredible, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today, Halia, and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge Thank you. with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so honoured to <laughs> share. And, yeah, I love sharing and anything that can help to empower women, Yeah. Um, particularly in this um, beautiful phase of life, yes, such a sacred absolutely. time. It really is. Thank you so much. Thank you. So lovely to chat to you. That brings us to the end of today's show, guys. I hope you feel inspired by Halia's incredible journey and her breadth of knowledge. Check out our Instagram page to learn more about her teachings. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.